and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Matthew Corrigan, a.k.a. Ghost King is Dead, a young music maker from Cork who I had heard about a couple of years ago for the first time in 2018. He released a really, really uh, great track called Tokyo, which definitely caught my attention and he's released a couple of EPs that year as well. But in 2019, there was only one track, Deflector, but he's now back with a new EP, which is kind of part of, I guess, maybe the finale of these three EPs. It's called Fever Dreaming, and it is out on February 28th. Palm Tree came out as a single earlier in the year, in the middle of January. And last Friday, he released a second track from the EP. It's called Separation. It's a five-track EP, and it is out on the Hausu collective which is to quote the press release a fully independent artists collective that writes records releases mixes masters distributes and promotes music ghost king is dead is going to be doing a headline show at plugged records upstairs at the roundy on february 13th so i guess you'll get a taster of what the fever dreaming ep itself sounds like Uh, I've heard it, I've listened to it a good few times in preparation for chatting to Matt about it and I find it really hard to uh, qualify what it sounds like. There's so many acts these days where I'm finding, and you've probably heard me say it on the podcast before, the genre is almost superfluous to them. They dip and dive into so many uh, different aspects of various genres that they're not really defined by one and Ghost King is Dead is uh, definitely one of those um, musicians. Matt also plays with Alex Goff, Cork-based rapper, drummer, artist who's uh, found quite a bit of acclaim over the past year. He was in the Netherlands earlier in the year for the Eurosonic Festival and it sounds like big things are expected of Alex Goff so we chat about Matt's involvement with that and working with Alex uh, towards the end of the conversation. So here it is, myself chatting with Matt, aka Ghost King is Dead, about his new EP, Fever Dreaming, which is out on Hausu on February 28th. So we're talking on the day of release of Separation, one of the tracks from the five-track Fever Dreaming EP, which is out at the end of the month. Does it feel nice getting a track out there? And is it kind of like uh, you're looking forward to the to finally getting this new collection of songs out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I spent so long working on them and uh, so long building up the courage, I guess, to put out something new. Because there was like a stage last year around Deflector where I realized there was a transition happening with my own ability to produce good music and produce something that sounds really nice. And I realized that there was going to be turmoil so I, I I didn't really know where I stood because the, the Anthony Fantano thing came out and he talked about Tokyo and he said, okay, this is like really nice song, whatever. Um, but like the mixing was poor and it was a DIY project, of course. And he, he used it as an as an op- opportunity to talk about DIY mixing in general, which kind of, I, I took a hit with that and said, okay, I really need to focus on my mixing, really need to focus on my produ- production. And I kind of tailspinned into, into a year of just working really, really hard. And at the end of it, I was... A lot better um but then there was the the moment where i had to say okay i now need to have the courage to step forward and actually like release what i've been working on and bring the fruits of all that work and anxiety into the real world 
And that's what Fever Dreamy is. And that's what it sounds like as well. I was going to ask, I had um, Anthony Fantano, the needle dropped down as uh, a question. So maybe we'll get it out of the way early on. First of all, I don't get the needle drop. I like, I, I don't understand it. Like, I mean, but you took that as like constructive criticism, whereas you could have easily like gone the other way as well. Like, oh, fuck him. Like, what does yeah. he know? Yeah, it would have been super easy. And like, I, I still remember I watched it with Alex. We were on a night out and uh, I kept, I checked my phone and like, I had like 20 texts from Evan Miles and he was just saying, congrats on the Fantano review, bro. And me and Alex were on a night out. I think we were in the Brogue. We were like, what the hell is he talking about? So we went back to Alex's apartment and watched it uh, on YouTube. And uh, yeah, it was, it was one of these moments where I was like, it's surreal that it's there sucks that he has this criticism but i haven't i know i'm at a crossroads where i can either like take this really poorly and be like oh my mixing's fine or i can be, make the logical choice and be like well actually i don't know anything about what i'm doing i should probably learn uh, i decided to do the latter <laughs> and so like what's say. what's the needle drops appeal so um honestly like i don't watch the reviews um i think he has some pretty good think pieces like on the Fantano channel, like he's got the Neil Drop channel and then he's got the Fantano channel. Uh, I think the Fantano channel is where he does the like review your music for small artists. Like he just does think pieces. And some of them are really, really insightful. Um, kind of like mini Joe Rogan stuff. Um, not, that, <laughs> not quite that think piecey. Yeah, maybe not quite that thing. Like there's less like chimpanzees, bro, they'll rip you apart. But uh, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. Like they're all music related and talking about like news in the music industry and 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 usually he's got a a pretty good take the the takes are rarely too hot for to handle um you know so sometimes it's just pleasant to get to get a point of view from somebody who's you know got some some knowledge in the field uh and as far as the reviews go like i just i just go on and he, he wears like the same yellow flannel shirt and all of like his good reviews or reviews of albums he really really likes so I just scroll through the thumbnails and I look at the ones he's given really good reviews to without even watching the reviews and I just throw them into a Spotify playlist wow. <laughs> and I'll just listen to him down the line. So you like trust his opinion? Um, I trust the fact that if he thinks that album's really good, then it's probably at least worth a try. Yeah. But I, I'd, I'd rarely like, I wouldn't watch his review of an album I like just to know what he thinks about it. I just like the album. Oh, so you go, you go looking to him for like new music? Yeah, I'd go looking for like new records, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like cutting up my opinions based on anything he has to yeah. say necessarily. But like, I mean, the video that you're on, like, I was, I was, I, I tried to watch it. Like, I, I didn't really watch it. I can't watch a lot of those kind of um when people are just filming themselves, like from their okay. laptop yeah. or whatever. You know, kind of like, I don't know, it turns me off or something. But um, uh, like he j he just listened to it once and then gives his opinion. Like he's yeah. lit, he literally records himself. Uh, listening to it and it's sped forward but like i mean is is that kind of where you would kind of turn against him that like you know he he listened to it once yeah i mean it is it's 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 fleeting isn't it um but but i guess that's kind of the music world like yeah. so many so many acts and so many tracks have to hit in the first 20 seconds or people aren't turning them off yeah it's absolutely or are turning them off sorry yeah no it's absolutely true to life i mean like in one way you'd be like oh you can only really understand a track i've listened to it like four or five times and like that's that's true for a large part but uh 
it's also true that like like you said people are going to listen to the song and if they don't enjoy the first minute of it they're just not going to bother um so the first opinion is incredibly important so i guess i'm kind of cool with that um i mean when you think about like how many songs he gets sent and how much he needs to get through i kind of understand it and i appreciate the fact that he did in the first place i know that he he took a big break from doing it but he's back doing it now again but i mean even after that video the amount of uh dms i got on instagram and twitter of people just being like oh yeah i saw your song on on the needle drop and i checked it out and i really really liked it keep up the good work like that was probably the best the best bit of aftermath from that whole thing so so it is like exposure yeah i mean definitely definitely i mean like when a random stranger online takes it takes the time out to tell you that they like your song then that's that's good for me. Don't talk to random strangers online, Matt. Okay, I mean I that's refu- just my I top tip. I refuse to take that good measured advice, and I have done for the best part of my life. Um, so let's go back to the start of Ghost King is Dead because I guess it's still in its infancy. Really, this is going to be the third EP that you've put out. Yeah. Um, but when did when did the project actually start? Uh, that's a weird one because it's really hard to disentangle where Ghost King is Dead started and what Ghost King is Dead is from me and my production and like my experience recording because I've been calling myself Ghost King is Dead since I was 17 I think uh, 16, 17 I started calling myself Ghost King and then eventually when I started like releasing music I changed it to Ghost King is Dead because there was already like five Ghost Kings on <laughs> Spotify and I was like okay uh, now I think there there was a period where there were no Ghost Kings on Spotify and now I think there's one Ghost King on Spotify. Uh, Do you have your notifications set up? <laughs> yeah, I've got a Google. I've got a Google <laughs> alert for uh, Ghost King sightings on streaming services. But uh, so because of that, it's kind of hard to say. You know, when did the project really start? Like, wh- when's a good point of being like here? Because the reality is, that when I was eighteen, when I was oof, what age was I when I started recording myself playing music? I was I was sixteen in a band with a friend of mine recording music with a usb microphone into audacity and then that turned into me with my own audio interface and a like thoman dynamic mic recording guitar and vocals and not understanding that you needed to do anything else (laughs) after that (laughs) and putting it on back up uh and then i think there was probably a point when i was was 19 i think it was right before my 20th birthday when I did Sweet Boy, the first of the, the three EPs you mentioned, because I've actually done a bunch of EPs as Ghost King, technically. But of these three EPs that are on Spotify, that EP, Sweet Boy, is probably when I would define the inception the, the of the project. Yeah, Because that's also, like, Sweet Boy launched the day before Houseu. Houseu uh, launched with Sweet Boy. Um, although technically there'd been a Houseu release before that because the repeater lads had just put it down randomly as their record label. And then decided, hey, we could do something with this. And heads house who happened. But uh, yeah, so because of, I guess, how much stuff changed during that period, I'd probably put that down as the, the nascent point. And and like the sound has stayed pretty similarly the same. So you've obviously had that sound for a while as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand that element of it. And I've stopped trying. I don't, I as don't. In what you sound like. What I sound like or, or what, what the consistent element is. Because I've thought about it a lot and I've never really landed on anything. I know that there is a common thread. I'm not entirely sure what it is. Uh, hopefully, 
hopefully other people could guide me down that path or else i'll just keep doing what comes to me first and it keeps working out maybe yeah you got a bit of traction as well so i guess that that's just nice to see at the start and the support that you had from house too that like you decided to keep the project going yeah i think it's there's definitely been points where i was kind of tempted as i have been doing this for a while like should i pivot into doing something different and the answer always comes out is no because at the end of the day what goes is that is um it's just an opportunity for me to make whatever i i feel like making i've got plenty of other opportunities to do other stuff and i could always start a new project if i wanted to make like specifically this or if i wanted to make like a, a like pop project or something i could i could i could go away and do that but with ghost king is dead it's always been a case of i'm going to do what comes to me first uh what my first instinct is and then i'm going to get on to some of my cool artist friends and we're going to make some nice stuff and then we've got a, a piece of art that we can be proud of at the end of it it's just a it's very much a primary instinct kind of thing so you wouldn't think of like i want to make a like pop banger uh ep or pop banger sound now and do it under ghost king is dead you kind of see it as separate i probably would right but it, it would only be if that was like my first instinct if i sat down to make music and the first thing i wanted to do was like i want to make pop music then i would make pop music and releases ghost king is dead because it was instinctive i assume it would still hold that common thread that goes through the music because i think that's what it is i think it's just me being like i'm gonna do whatever i think of because i found that the if i spend uh like really long time like deconstructing stuff and reconceptualizing things it ends up sounding less and less like ghost is dead you're thinking about it too much yeah i i definitely overthink stuff after a while i've i've lost many songs to that that trap not to say that they became bad or that they became worse but they just became less ghosting is dead i guess so yeah i guess i would make a pop banger ep or make a pop banger or something but only if i sat down and was like i'm gonna make a pop banger and then made a pop banger and that doesn't mean it doesn't take time because it does but it also just has to has to flow i think to sound like itself and what happens to those those songs that you kind of i don't know if you shelve them or if you put them away or i've got a huge folder of them yeah I have so much music recorded. Wait until you hear it. I do have so <laughs> much music recorded, though. I've I've made so many songs. I went through over summer. I was making a song a day for was a while. Intentionally. Intentionally, yeah. Okay. I was I was I was pushing myself to have an idea and elaborate on it every day. Was that trying to figure out the next step, or was it just trying to get better at doing something, or was it just like? like some of these are like really great ideas and i want to um uh, extend them out and look into them all three yeah. it was an exercise in creativity and competency and consistency just trying to do something regularly well that was a, a a good idea i had a bunch of ideas for stuff and i knew that if i sat down and just dragged in a bunch of sounds and dragged in weird synths and played some not stuff that it would be an interesting thing and then it's just a case of making it sound <laughs> in any way listenable. And then uh, doing that every single day, you get a lot better at it. And then I made Fever Dreaming at the end of that period. I think I, I think by the end of it, I'd made like 54 ditties. Like 54... <laughs> ditties, I love it. 54 like little boys. <laughs> There's Ghost King over there with his ditties. Ghost King and his ditties. <laughs> Ghost King and the ditty boys. Um, uh, oh, okay. So, so at the end of it... Like these five tracks came out of last summer's yeah out of out of the like California the first track off Fever Dreaming, uh, like it's it's a super 
cut up and distorted Bobby Womack sample. Uh, oh, okay. And I'd just gone to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And uh, it's, it's got um, California Dreaming, but it's got the Bobby Womack version of it, which I didn't know existed. Uh, but I love, because I, I, I think Bobby Womack's class. Uh, I can't believe that he did get murdered. Have you ever heard his song, sorry, the soundtrack, but have you ever heard his song, uh, what's it called? He Trusts Me Too Much? I think he trusts me too much. Maybe, but like, uh, it's not ringing a bell right now. Yeah, I mean, that's a song where he's singing about, he's like, I'm the best friend he's got. And he's talking about, like, his best friend. And he's saying, like, oh, you know, I'd give the shirt off my back, but I wish he didn't leave me alone with his wife. It's like, oh my god, imagine being his friend and hearing him sing that song. I need to get more into Bobby Womack. Yeah, I mean, that guy's got some outrageous songs and probably the best vocal performance on Plastic Beach by Gorillaz. But anyway, uh, I I went to see that movie and I came home uh, incredibly hyped because the end of that movie is uh, interesting. So I uh, arrived home and I immediately (laughs) went on YouTube to MP3 and just downloaded it and... Ah. uh, and then turned into something that was no longer the source material in any way, shape, or form. And I was like, "This is this kind of goes off. This is this is kind of cool." Uh, hence this. And then you know, at the end of this summer of making music, uh, I was like, "You know that that little Bobby Womack thing was really cool." So I went back and I, I kind of got rid of the original one, and I recorded guitars and I programmed my own drums and I I built a song with the same energy and the same idea as that and that's kind of how all the songs came about just one small idea me having one small cool concept and then looking at my greater vision for fever dreaming and building them all into that okay i think i did that for like 12 songs and the five on the ep are the the ones that came out of it shining so before we look at the the kind of what your grand vision was for it, let's quickly go to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's up mm. for Best Picture Oscar uh, this weekend, uh, this Sunday's uh, Oscars, which people will, it will be in the past as people are listening to this podcast. I thought Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was brilliant. I think it's Tarantino's best film since like, probably since Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I had that. Yeah. I mean, let's just, let's just talk about how great it was. It was a really good movie. I've got to, I've got to put that out there. I know they, they say never put your opinions on the internet. I really like that movie. We give uh, it two thumbs up. Two thumbs up from the boys. Uh, yeah, I want to see it with, uh, with Jack, my cousin, actual acid. And, uh, we came out of the came out of the cinema. He was sitting in front of me because it was packed out. Like when we went to go see it, we went to see it in, in the massive screen. I can't even remember what it's called, but IMAX huge, in the IMAX Mahan. in Mahan Point, yeah. Because it's a treat. Like it's, it's yeah, like it's, it's Tarantino. It's like oh my god, doing seventies Hollywood. Bizarre. We went to see it, and Jack was like sitting diagonally in front of me because it was packed out, so no oh, one okay. was no one was sitting near each other. We went, our whole family went, and. Uh, there was various points where Jack would just turn around and look at me. At the end of the movie, he just threw his arms over his shoulders. We were like clinging onto each other's hands. It was such a good film. Uh, yeah, I really like that. I really like that movie. I mean, Brad Pitt uh, is probably going to win Best Supporting Actor, I think. Yeah. I thought he was hes so good in it. It's so good. Did you see his other film last year, Ad Astra? No, I didn't. It's uh, its not very... its It's brilliant for about the first third and then it just like is awful for the next two thirds 
it's it's like it's a really really dramatic fall it's oh. like it was so unexpectedly bad <laughs> oh like oh when no. that happens but um leonardo dicaprio is fantastic in it that scene where he's just uh acting you yeah. know with a capital a it's just like oh my god this is oh this yeah. is what it is that's so good what do you think about what do you think about what that is when you think about how like meta that must be as an experience as an actor yeah man they they're like duo i think at various points in the in the future after that fact me and the lads would cite their friendship as a as like a, a touchstone for our own relationships <laughs> you'd drive one of your friends around the place if they needed it yeah we'd we'd absolutely drive each other to to our various <laughs> low-level washed-up acting gigs and do you know tarantino's never won best uh director really the oscars he's won best screenplay i think and i think he's won one other but i don't think he's won best director can't take him for granted no that's strange considering how like iconic he's been i mean like like how good at directing do you have to be like how good of an artist do you have to be to get away with what he's got away with like with how much of a like a profound profoundly strange character i I think he pushes people's tastes like uh the hateful eight is probably one which is kind of a little bit repulsive in places and troubling yeah in places and maybe the end of once upon a time in hollywood not to spoil it for anyone is a bit too much for some people's taste and also like yeah once that, that's tarantino for you but yeah i mean the end of that movie is he leaves you he leaves your heart pumping yeah like. and when you think about the implication of it too it's very strange yeah. uh, uh, it's a great movie though I mean, yeah. When he, I mean, he's he's a very. I mean, have you ever seen the video? I like it's. <laughs> he's just such a strange character. Like when I think about Quentin Tarantino, there's so many like stimuli immediately of things he's done, <laughs> things he's said, or like weird quirks about him. It is like how many directors get away with with their like just putting feet everywhere in their movies like that. I I don't think a lot of. Like, you can talk about movies or music or whatever you want. A lot of people aren't allowed to get away with it because, like, that 20... You know, you've got to hit within 20 seconds. You know, you've got to hit the right beats and you've got to hit them really, really fast or people aren't paying attention or you're not allowed to try different things as well. People yeah, like true. what's familiar, whether it's in music, movies, films, arts, whatever you want to talk about. I think that um, he's allowed to do stuff because he's established and he's allowed to do what... He's earned the right to do whatever he wants yeah like when like his 20 second pull his 20 second elevator pitch is literally just directed by quentin tarantino yeah like that's all he needs like there's a full like i mean how long does that scene um with brad pitt in the ranch last and it's like it's one of the most tense things that you can have in a film which isn't like a horror film you know yeah, and you're and like goes on i don't know if i breathed for like five minutes you know yeah. i was like <gasps> Just intake of breath. (laughs) What's happening next? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was incredibly tense. Um, I was going to ask you what your influences are, like whether, whether it does come from other music or does it come from other um, art forms? But I guess that's one of the things you went to see the film, you heard this song and you took it and you kind of like cut it up and like did something with it. I guess that's an influence right there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I draw from, uh, probably a broader range of influences that is artistically healthy but uh yeah definitely like a lot of just a lot of stuff i uh i intake a lot of art very purposefully i try to 
I listen to a new album every day. Like I listen to an album I've never heard before every single day. Um, I've got a massive memo on my phone just filled with them. Uh, and I think off the back of that, you can constantly be having ideas or constantly there might be something, something about an album you listened to like a couple of days ago that you really want to revisit. Um, and sometimes I'll I'll just revisit it by going home and I, you know, I'm thinking about this track. Like, I don't know, an example was yesterday, last night, got home from college. And uh, a few days ago, I'd listened to Grey Area by Lil Sims, which I hadn't heard before. Um, but I loved it. It's such a good album. Oh, my God. But uh, there was something, something in like the production of the first two songs, something that was in the attitude of them, something so cool that I couldn't stop thinking about. But I was listening to other records. And then in my downtime, when I was listening to anything, I was thinking about it. And then when I went home, my first instinct when I opened up, Ableton, because again, like every day, I'll go home and I'll, I'll open up the, I'll open up Ableton, even if I don't do anything, even if I just sit there and just stare at a, like, like blag project file five minutes to close it again. At least I opened it, um, I opened up Ableton, picked up my guitar, and immediately started playing like, because it just like felt that because I I could still feel the residue of that song, but then of course, yesterday. I listened to now. Admittedly, I I had kind of heard it before, but I'd never actively listened to it. Uh, Kaput by Destroyer. So then, when I was just messing around writing on it, I was thinking about Little Sims, and I was also thinking about Destroyer. And then I was also just doing that stream of consciousness, primary instinct thing. At the end of it, like I, I mean, I don't know if it'd ever be a track, but it definitely was something that sounded very much itself and its own. So I guess as far as influences go, like that's a big part of it. I mean, the the visual elements, um, the aesthetic elements, where Ghost King is Dead draw from uh, more visual artists than uh, than audio artists or, or musicians. I mean, there are musicians that have, like, really compelling aesthetics, but uh, I, I really like uh, installation art as a way of describing how you can make a, a music project exist outside the music, especially with social media. Like the idea that um, you exist almost as like an installation on social media if you're trying to approach it artistically. I just think that's very, very interesting. Or when you're developing a an aesthetic to do so with like specific, um, like a specific ethos, I guess. So like Oliver Eliasson, he's a, he'd be an installation artist. Like, I saw his like, exhibition in the like, Tate last oh, really? year. Yeah. yeah, like I love him. I think he's... I think he's phenomenal, but he says something. Uh, I got really into him, and then I found out because uh, my girlfriend was telling me to watch Abstract all the time um, because she knows my tastes better than I do. Um, meaning that I w- would have never watched it, but I love it. Uh, she was constantly telling me to watch it, and I was like, I'll get her into it. And then I got really into Oliver Lyson, and then I found out that he has an, an Abstract episode. And I think the first thing he said was something to the effect of um, he held a collar up to the camera. He said, uh, like the the screen is a lamp you don't look at the screen look at how it affects the things around it and he was using that as an analogy for for his art and for art in general that art would be a, a lamp a light that you don't look directly at but you look at how it colors the things around it and i thought that was very very interesting so that's kind of some of the way i approach the auxiliary elements of the project just not in a not in a serious way and not in a, like not not to be self-serious it's just uh a fun way for me to think about it to keep me from getting totally bored and 
deleting all my like social media and not bothering. Do you think of the art and visual side of things probably not as much as you think of the music, but like uh, a big chunk of it, a big percentage of it is that side of things too. I guess it has to be now in 2020 as well, does it? Yeah, I mean like I I mean I don't know if I don't know if uh if I enjoy things as much if there isn't as much context, right? Like I'd enjoy an album a lot better when there's like an artistic context around it, whether that be like the history of the artist in in of themselves and understanding where they've come from or understanding like a greater narrative that surrounds the piece of music, be it visual or or anything else. And so to that end, I guess I try to elaborate on that. Like I try to have a, a consistent visual element, something that communicates something about the piece of music. I mean, I'm really lucky in that. Yeah, like I'm into art, but I'm not an artist necessarily in that regard. But I have friends who are, uh, which I'm super, super blessed with. Like um, my buddy Neil, Neil O'Sullivan Green, he's an illustrator who's who's all over the place. And if you go to if you go to anything like quarterback party, he's always at the at the bloomers market and stuff like that. But he's a phenomenal illustrator and uh, my oldest friend. So he always helps me out with stuff and, and he'll always work with me on art direction. Bartek Ruba, who does all my photography uh, for the most part, he did all the photography for Fever, for Fever Dreaming. Uh, he's another artist who has just these really cool notions and really cool ideas of ways to create something cohesive. And then I work with Colum Rodan from Hausu, who just has such a good design head. He's really good at tying everything together then. And then, you know, when you have a team like that, um, I, I think about it a lot, but then I can also, you know, leave a lot of it to them and what you get at the end of the day is what I consider to be uh, something pretty cool. Yeah. Which at the end of the day is all we're trying to make. <laughs> something pretty cool. Something pretty cool. Um, tell me about How Sue as well. So it started a day after the release of your first EP. Yeah. It's a collective of all of those people that you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, we're all in it. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, because How Sue kind of, <laughs> it kind of just fell into existence. Like, uh it it walked blindly through a field of rakes and somehow got to the other side. Uh, really cool. It it was I think it was Christmas Eve. I was standing uh, between my living room and kitchen. There's like an archway that separates them. Standing in the archway with Jack, actual acid. And he just turned to me and said, "Oh, actually, uh, when Repeater were putting out their EP, uh, we had to put down a record label, and we were watching the movie Houseu, so we just threw down Houseu." And we were wondering if you'd like to take it further. And I was like, yeah, why not? Sure, might as well. <laughs> and then <laughs> s- smash cut. <laughs> Two years later, here we are. Uh, and we were like, we're not a record label. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> After a couple of months, there's definitely a few months of us being like, what are we doing? Just like strapped in, just G-Force. But uh, we figured it out in the end. Uh, yeah, we've got a bunch of really cool visual artists, a bunch of really cool musicians. Everyone's friends. <laughs> Everyone helps each other out and... It's a really positive work environment insofar as um, people are always willing to leverage constructive criticism and everyone is so good at what they do that their criticism is always very much appreciated and worthwhile. So, yeah, I, I love it. Well, what other um, musical acts are on Houseu? Yeah, so we've got Ghost King's Dead, Repeater, who uh, were the first. 
they haven't put out music in a while. Were they the first or were they before the first, though? I guess they were kind of before the first. I mean, when it they comes... They were too early for the boat, like... Yeah, <laughs> they were way too early for the boat, sitting on the pier eating a sandwich. Uh, they... Yeah, when we when we have our, like, our codes, or release codes, like, they're, they're like, HR-001 would be, like, the first record, right? But I, I really do think that they're kind of, like, K0. They're, like, HR-X dash or something. But, uh, yeah, like, Repeater, and then the constituent elements of Repeater, which would primarily be uh, Automatic Blue and Actual Acid, Drew and Jack, uh, who would have both been, like, producing on Repeater primarily. Then you've got Drew Hall, who's now out in LA, Andrew Linehan. Uh, I would have produced and mixed the bulk of his song that's out at the moment. He's got another one coming out soon and a bunch of other stuff that he's working on. He's out in LA. He's the Houseu Transatlantic Transplant. Uh, we have Arthur Valentine. There we go. I was like, I was like, oh my God, who's the last one? It's, it's my sweet boy, Luke. Arthur Valentine, who I also produced and mixed the first song for. Uh, just the first one, though. The rest of them are the the crew, the team, the Arthur Valentine squad. But yeah, uh, some really interesting and different uh, musicians on there. I think is probably the coolest part. Is we were brought together not by like a sense of like unity in what we were creating. We weren't like, okay, you make something like what I make, and you make something like what he makes. We were just all friends for a very long time, and we were like, let's let's do this. We all want to make music. Uh, so we just threw it together, which means that we all make whatever we want, and uh, and we're all buddies. It's cool. That's that's nice. It must also be nice as well to kind of like you're making this music on your own, say every night, just Ableton and who knows what comes out of it. Like, do you bounce ideas off the guys, or do you kind of trust your own uh, vision for what the music is going to be? Um, it, it kind of gets to a point where I'm like, oh, this idea could be something. And then I'll bounce it. Right, right. Like yeah, if, yeah. if if I've like developed it into something roughly resembling a song, I'll usually send it to the boys and they'll have something that like, ooh, let me get in. Let me let me jump into your into your home for a like five hour period and work on some hi hats. Looking at you, Drew. Uh Automatic Blue is the, the hi hat king. He's very good at it. He's very good at knowing what hi hats to put in a song. <laughs> like remarkably good at it in fact almost terrifyingly <laughs> but yeah so yeah I'll bounce stuff off people and then they'll they'll cruise over usually to my house like, yeah they'll give feedback but they'll usually come over and we'll work on something I've become a big proponent of that these days of of actually like bringing people over to the to the studio oh, and working okay. on music physically rather than just send because it's very easy to like just send wavs yeah. you know on on, on a on a on a discord message but it's way cooler if the person comes over sits in your house and you order uh you know a pizza and uh you you watch a bunch of uh oh hello on broadway and then you then eventually open up ableton and look at some projects <laughs> and actually talk about it like face to face and side and, to side yeah and you, you in real time see how it changes you know because someone's like change this and then you change it and you bounce it and then you upload it and then you send it and they go oh, maybe like this and then you go back and you change it and you bounce it and you upload it yeah that's a that's a that's a tedious process yeah get, <laughs> get, get a lot more done physically it sounds like um, you've got a great collection of people in Hausu and just generally in Cork, it seems like it's a really kind of vibrant 
scene that you're kind of part of yeah. as well like you're um recording music with alex goff as well and uh he's doing really really good too like i saw um the god alone guys last mm. night in uh they were launching a uh, quarter block party upstairs in the roundy at plugged and it was incredible just kind of uh I don't know just how hard it is to define some of these sounds that are being made by like what I what I would you know consider kind of young new acts in court. It's really really nice that I don't really know what to call any of this music. Yeah. You know like I would have thought that they're a metal band but there's so much more going on with God alone. Yeah. Alex is kind of making rap music he's kind of making something else too. And with yeah. you with like this auto tune that's running through like heavily running through um the fever dreaming ep it really kind of like i like i don't quite know what's going on but i love that i don't know what's going on as well you know like it it does sound like it's quite um challenging the listener i guess just yeah. kind of in general all of these all of this stuff yeah i mean i think even what you're saying about the fact that it's it's also kind of almost ne- nebulous in in what it is but it's it's really cool that everybody's friends as well. Yeah, I, I think that that's a massive part of it is the fact that uh, what I make and what God Alone makes has uh, little to no correlation. But there was a brief period where I was their synth player, and oh. uh, and I am friends with all the guys. Uh, I've known them all for a very long time. Uh, and Yankee as well. Like Yankee doesn't make anything like what Gaptooth makes. I thought you were just going to leave it there. Yankee doesn't make anything. And Yankee just doesn't make anything. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. I find it easier to say that Yankee doesn't make anything than accept the fact that every song that they make <laughs> is liquid gold. Yeah. <laughs> it is so good. Every song. Uh, but Sorry, I interrupted you there. You were saying uh, oh, they, Yankee, yeah, Yankee don't make and, anything that Gaptooth... Yeah, they, they've got like little to nothing. Well, I guess they made some aesthetic decisions regarding like, like sound fidelity and like... But I... Uh, but at the same time, like they're friends, you know, they've 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 butted creative heads, so to speak, without giving anything away. But like the fact that these that all these things exist and that these collaborations exist, the fact that me and Gaptooth are are good friends, despite the fact that our music has little to no crossover, yeah. other than the fact that we are influenced by similar people and that we're both into and making like, uh for for the listener inverted commas urban music um you know the fact that we we all just hang out i mean that's because cork's a small place i guess and oh two one sick together and what have you <laughs> but uh but yeah it's it's really cool it's something that i'm really proud to be a part of because i was i was a i was really involved in the all ages scene when i was like 15 i want to say i think i went to my first all ages gig and i wound up playing in a like desert rock band for a, a number of years uh that number being probably two or one and a half uh but uh you know and, and there was a period when i was like 15 16 where like the scene was booming like there were so many young musicians in cork and there were so many bands playing all ages gigs when Camden palace was open and in ground floor and uh it was really cool it was really really cool and then uh, and and there was the emergence gigs that I ran with the guys from Crow Jane when I was like again like sixteen, and uh, then all of that just kind of fell away. And then there was nothing for a while. There was like serious dead air. And then there were a couple of bands happening. And then God Alone kind of came out of that period where there was like nothing really happening, and just like 
exploded out into being so good so so universally recognized as incredibly cool uh but then it, it, it kind of it's kind of found its feet now again i feel like uh no I, I you know i haven't been around for for a very long time but uh, i do think that like the, the modern scene in cork is uh the coolest i remember it being yeah if you know what i mean yeah uh, I but my memory doesn't go back very far <laughs> Not to disregard everything that came before, but I completely agree with you. <laughs> um, is there any kind of music that you don't listen to when uh, you know you're you're listening to a new album every day? Is there any genre of music where you're like, nah? Uh, or, or are you open to everything? You know, there's the there's the answer I want to give. There's like the, the real answer. Like the answer I want to give is like, no, of course I'm open to everything. And I guess in a way it's true. Like I will listen to anything. Uh, I might not be happy about it, but I will. Um, there's there's albums that I've been putting off listening to, like albums that I know I'm eventually going to have to like toughen up and and actually like put on. But it's just when like you, when you're saying like I need to get through this album today, and you're really busy, that might be the only music you listen to that day. So it ends up theming the day. It's part of the reason I do it. But like, I know I'm going to have to listen to some Shushu records. Like I I've listened to a few. Um, when I was more, when I listened to more experimental music a couple of years ago, I used to be really into like avant-garde and like left field electronica. And then I got into like pop music about a year ago and I, I've, I've yet to return to my roots, to my experimental roots. But uh, I know I need to get around to it. And, and there's like a, I know there's another really like emotionally crushing record I have to listen to. And there's that Daughters album, and I know that they're all good albums. I know they're all very good, but I also know that they're all incredibly emotionally taxing. So I'm putting those off. Uh, and as far as music, I won't listen to uh, probably just new metal. I just hate new metal. Oh, okay, Limp Bizkit it's and not, it's Korn. Not that, it's not Slipknot? Uh, ask me four years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, Slipknot. Are, I've listened to a lot of Slipknot. I, they're probably pretty cool, right? They've, they've got some good records. They put out an album last year that did really well. Sold out the Three Arena earlier this year as well. And nice. uh, I did see him in the Three Arena when I was like eighteen, I think. Yeah, Unsainted, I think, is the name of their single, which I think is really good. I probably need to bring it back. I, I, I need to get. I need to get back into it. Yeah, I, I did listen to a bit of Slipknot. It's just a lot of the like aesthetics of new metal. Just don't. Just don't. Just don't hit with me. Doesn't mean it's bad. Just means that I personally just cannot <laughs> That's fair. connect That's to it. Don't, don't go down that new metal uh, rabbit hole. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> so uh, the grand vision for Fever Dreaming. Tell me about that because it sounds like uh, uh, lyrically there's a lot on there to dissect. As in, we could have just spent the whole thing just going through line by line. I think the EP and what it all means. But what's the kind of the the uh, overarching thing of Fever Dreaming for you? Maybe lyrically. Um, yeah, so it's interesting because people have interpreted interpreted it and interpreted the, the tracks I've put out thus far uh, differently, which is cool. Not necessarily exactly the way I meant for them to be interpreted. Uh, definitely the, the EP as a whole has been interpreted in a few interesting different ways cause just from, from talking to people and questions people have asked me about it and about specific things, uh, particularly about Cork, like... A, uh, it's definitely in in part about Cork, like that's that's undeniable. There's that line on um, Palm Tree, Cork City, I love you, but you bring me down. Yeah, which is kind of like it. It really does jump out at you because yeah. the rest of the music 
kind of dies out a little bit in the track while you're saying that line yeah uh, and like that that's it that's a very big part of it but but a lot of people like are very much who, who've listened to the whole ep uh have very much like attached themselves to that and the whole concept of like a gilded cage i think uh was was one term that was used to describe to describe my um attitude toward toward cork and Ireland in general but uh there's that but then there's also a bunch of other things and then and then there's what i think about when i'm writing versus what ends up being what's interpreted you know there's there's so many like layers to it but like for the most part like like i said i made so many songs over summer so many and then i turned five of those tracks into fever dreaming and it's just about it's about frustration um it's about frustration at like not being able to sleep about like poor eating habits about being somewhere that is exactly where you want to be but not where you should be and you can't leave yet you should leave but you're gonna have to but it can't be right now and like just that feeling of total like helpless helplessness and uh then the the aggression that i kind of fell back on um this kind of like internal sense of anguish that kind of just turned into some kind of like emotional violence that became how i got through that how i like rationalized those feelings is just by pushing myself through it uh by being angry which isn't necessarily where you want to be and like the track fever dreaming like that's what that song's about like i i think i was having a i was quite sick and uh i was i was quite unwell uh i think i just gotten back from I, I i went to hong kong that's what it was i went to hong kong and I, I came back and uh just the jet lag totally threw me out i wasn't even there long enough to get used to it there so by the time i came back i was totally whacked out traveling all the time and i came home and i got quite sick and i i was like thinking about all this stuff like lying in bed and your brain's going you know 160 miles an hour um and i didn't want to go to sleep because i knew the second i fell asleep i'd start having like a really like awful nightmare because of just how unwell i was and where my mind was at but i was also like too wrecked to stay awake so i was fighting it and uh just that feeling was so like visceral that it it stayed in my head um and i wrote a lot of the lyrics for the ep based on what i felt that night palm tree had already been written but it fits so perfectly into the idea of the rest of it because palm tree was written in the same headspace so then i was like okay i'm going to write the rest of it so like the the rest of the ep is kind of based off what i was thinking at that time um with the song fever dreaming being that penultimate moment of like fighting going back to sleep because you know you're gonna have like night terrors pretty much so, so. sounds like uh it was a challenge was it was it more uh, more of a challenge than the stuff that you had done previously like writing wise um yeah probably it was definitely more um visceral uh more of a, a detailed look at stuff and probably more of an honest reflection than stuff was before like i've been a big fan in the past of like veiling what i'm saying behind like flowery language and i I still do that because it's a part of who i am uh and an unavoidable part of my vernacular but uh (laughs) but uh like yeah like take me with my flowery language or you don't take me at all (laughs) more or less but uh like this is doubt was written through a, a somewhat similar lens like some similar emotions about maybe like 
nascent ideas, the same ideas in their infancy that have then developed into being like the the really, really uh, pertinent stuff on fever dreaming. Uh, but there I kind of danced around it. I mean, I think that's even on Tokyo. I think I predicted that. I think I predicted fever dreaming on Tokyo. I knew exactly what was going to happen if I didn't deal with it properly back then. Uh, I think it was that's the day. It's like so we can dance around the chalk outline of a man I killed with change. I think is the lyric on Tokyo, and then that exactly what I was alluding to uh, became the problem. The fact that I was just dancing around it lyrically on uh, this is doubt, and then it it ended up coming to a head, and I had to uh, approach it head on. The only way I know how <laughs> on Fever Dreaming coming to cinemas this summer. <laughs> do you, do you see this as kind of the culmination of? the kind of the trilogy of EPs or do you see this as kind of like the launch pad for like the next stage of Ghost King like you feel like you've kind of stepped it up a level yeah it, it feels like um have you seen uh have you seen things like is it X-Men Origins was it, was it like one of the Wolverine movies where like Wolverine like bursts out of the water with like his like adamantine claws out <laughs> Okay. That's what the CV is. That's yeah. <laughs> like the, the only, like the only analogy I have. Uh, yeah, it's 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 it definitely started in the water, but I do have the adamant mantine skeleton now, and I burst out and I'm screaming and I've got claws. And the, send a tweet. <laughs> Watch out until you see what's coming next. Yeah, that's it. Watch this space this summer. Um. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you have plans for kind of the rest of the year after this EP comes out on uh, February 28th yes uh, I do w- what are you allowed reveal I'm allowed or reveal, reveal. Um, bits bits of it there's more music um, I'm I'm making up for the fact that I took such a, a period out like I said Fever Dream is uh, like I know I was joking with the whole like, bursting out of the water thing but genuinely it does feel like I've been like in like almost like cryo sleep uh for the last year or just like in the water undergoing some kind of transformation and now that i'm out i'm out so i can i can leave that behind and just release a bunch of music and 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 unleash all the ideas i have at the world and uh playing with alex and 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 being around alex and being a part of that project has kind of i think it's kind of satiated some uh need for like validation I didn't know I had regarding like commercial success um there was clearly some part of me that tied my perception of my own success to like the size of the shows I was playing or like listener numbers and stuff like that um and now I don't have to worry about it anymore because Alex is doing good so I could just look at him and be like that's fine that's that pap pap now I can just make whatever art I want so that's going to be my 2020 uh and I'm playing a bunch of gigs yeah just a lot of gigs i i I very much i'm very much leaning into playing as many live shows as possible because uh it's some of the most fun uh some of the most fun a boy can have (laughs) tell me about um playing with alex goff uh you're part of his band were you over in uh groningen earlier in the year eurosonic yeah over in groningen groningen sorry it's cool i pronounced it wrong until i got there i was corrected by a dutch person which is infinitely more embarrassing (laughs) Uh, very nice people. How, look, Dutch. we could school the Dutch people on like places like <laughs> Bale and Blaw as well. Like, I mean, I want to hear their pronunciation of that. I want, I want to hear you say Oroche de Vahawalia. <laughs> Sing it for me. Uh, 
but uh, yes, playing with Oz has been very, very cool. Uh, I think it's hilarious because I've been like Alex has been like my best friend since one of my one of my best friends since uh, we started college. We we met at the induction of college, and we just ended up hanging out. And I was like, this guy's pretty cool. And then we we just became really good friends. Um, and that was around, <clears throat> that was just before he started releasing music as Alice Goff. Like his first EP, which I think just came out on SoundCloud. Uh, 18 was the name of it, I'm pretty sure. Uh, which featured the original Afraid of Money, which is the song he, he then recreated, which, which kind of launched him into the current stage of his career. But um, like we were playing music together, we were playing together in college and just having a laugh and uh alex started like re- releasing uh some of the early kind of beat tapey stuff the infomercial tape and art is alive and well uh and he said you know i'd like to make a band you know he wanted to play with a band we were like yeah cool you play with a band uh he asked me to play i was like yeah sure i'll play you know we'll get some other people we'll get peter on keys we'll get you on bass yeah cool and we're, we're just gonna play some jazz play some instrumental hip-hop bit of jazz see what happens you know and in my head because at the time Ghosting is Dead was bigger than Alex Goff uh, and in my head I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna help my, I'm gonna help Alex out I'm just gonna give him a hand I'm gonna show him the ropes I'm gonna show him the ropes <laughs> I was like yeah sure man. I'll play guitar in your band you know it'd be a bit of fun with my friend and then like he released Afraid of Money and we were sitting in a lecture and we were both like like at that point I don't even think I'd had I released I'm trying to think chronologically where we are at this point in my discography but uh, like at this point i had i had never seen like that level of like immediate like reception where people straight away were listening and loving the song and like it was getting played on the radio people were really really enjoying it neither of us had ever seen that before with anything we'd done <clears throat> so we were blown away sitting in a lecture like looking at his phone just like I'd say our lecturer was looking at us. He absolutely knew because we were just sitting there huddled together, his phone on the desk, staring at it. What were you looking at? Just like the, the Spotify numbers? Spot- or? Spotify numbers and like people like tagging him on social media and just being like, this is weird. This has never happened before. Uh, and then we, we moved on. We we, we started playing. We, we got a couple of gigs and then he released Breakfast and then uh, it got bananas real quick. Uh, and we started playing bigger shows which is hilarious it's just really funny because none of us in any way shape or form expected any of it yeah uh which is really cool and it's nice that you get kind of like a different sort of sa- satisfaction uh with both projects yeah and it's it's very good for me i think it's Great. it's 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 let me do whatever i want with goes instead i don't like i don't feel the need anymore <laughs> to to get too caught up about it i'm just gonna make whatever art i feel like making that's for it's for me now it's for me now. yeah it's for me yeah that's S- the best way to be uh, self-care yeah S- self-care music <laughs> so you're releasing the fever dreaming ep on february 28th and then you're playing uh plugged on <laughs> i'll let you i'll let you take on this. the 13th of february thursday the 13th of february with arthur valentine and damsel that's great um best of luck with that best of luck with uh the release of the ep and like with the rest of 2020 it sounds like it's gonna be a busy one yeah, hopefully. Here's hoping. Palm tree hanging, what can that be me? Yeah, silver spoon psycho on the silver screen. Why don't I look like them? Why don't I feel like them? Flick
looking through my feed when I'm sitting at home Is it any wonder that I feel so alone? Pass out on my couch Dreaming about yeah. Far away lands Distant dreams Distant versions of a different mind Yeah I have no way I can leave But it gets harder to stay When this rent I can't pay Hanging over me All I want is an answer Cox City you're freaking me out For every moment you inspire me You bring me down Are those silver or grey skies Over our town They say invest in where you're from Yeah, why would I bother When in 20 years it'll all be underwater And yeah Oh, 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 oh.